you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Coming up next on Huddle and Flow. I'm just being real. Like, I mean, I wish I was more mature at the time. I wish, man, I wish I had some. It was just the people that I had as father figures. They wasn't around. I thought I had all the answers. I thought money could buy me out of a lot of situations. And and look, man, Steve, you just, it's funny because when I look at you, I don't even think about that. And and that's that's the beautiful thing for me. Like, I think that's the mature, where the maturity lies. Like when I see you, I don't think like damn. He wrote a whole bunch of crazy stuff back in the day. Right. Yeah, we sat at the airport after Eagles game. Remember a couple of years ago, we just sat there yeah, for like two weeks. Yeah. That's next on Huddle and Flow. Here we are on the Huddle and Flow podcast. I'm Steve White with my guy, Jim Trotter. And, you know, Jim, we've done a lot of really good podcasts. Wouldn't you say? We, we're, we're, kind of, we're, kind of, we're kind of rolling right now, my man. We're going to pat ourselves on the back now, Steve. Well, after this one, we will. Oh, we're never, okay. we're never going to say that, with that you know, it, it's perfect. Because you know, neither, neither one of us is like that. We're never – neither one of us is like that. But – we just uh, had a great conversation with Michael Vick. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to linger here for too long because we want you to get to it. To those of you listening, this is a longer interview. We know that people like to bail at 35, 40 minutes, according to the metrics. Take an hour of your day or find times to listen to this whole thing because this is incredible. Mike or Jim, you talk about a guy burying his soul. We, we just we just experienced that. Yeah, you know, Steve, a podcast is only as good as its guests, in my opinion. 
and Mike is such a compelling figure. And, you know, ever since his his trials and tribulation, his incarceration and whatnot, um, he's been striving to share his word, his testimony, his journey. And um, he's so open about it. And I think I think our li- I always say I think I know our listeners will find some things in here that maybe they didn't know just in terms of maybe his mindset um, when he was going through some of those things, his approach coming out of it. Uh, so it, <laughs> you want to listen. That's all I can say, Steve. It's it, 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 that simple. And, and look, as someone who covered Mike when I worked for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution as the Falcons beat writer, covered him on the field, covered him through that, that horrible dogfighting trial, this is – this is this is a story that's going to be heard. So let's just get right to it. For you folks, here is Michael Vick. All right, Jim. Now we are joined by Michael Vick, and we've and we've been wanting to get Mike on for the longest. And uh, you know, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. No doubt. Fantastic having you on the podcast, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, this is great. Thanks for having me. I, I got to tell this story real quick, Steve. When when Mike was coming out of college, entering the draft, I, you know, at that time, I remember Mike Riley was the head coach of the Chargers, and he had said he felt that Mike Vick could be the Michael Jordan of the NFL. So me, you know, covering the Chargers, who had been bad, watching Mike, you know, down in the bowl game, um, just destroying Florida State, even though Florida State won, but destroying them. I'm like, I'm geeked. I'm like, I got a chance to cover potentially this transcendent player, you know, the Michael Jordan of the NFL. And I'm telling you, when they traded away that first pick, I mean, it was like a death in the family, man. I felt I felt so bad. And and look, I'm saying this and like like I didn't know Ladanian at the time. He's my boy now. I love him. His jersey's on my wall in the back here. Just a great man, a great player. But in that moment, Mike Vick was the guy. I was like, I just I I just I, I thought I was on my way. Part of it, I know. Man, that, that was so that, that was so bizarre, man. Like, um, to to know that for four months this is where you had it, and you know, you talk with your family about it, you talk with your, you know, your mentors and the people who are close to you, and you, I was looking for houses, and I, I was doing everything. Like, I, I was all, I was on my way to San Diego, and man, to find out the night before the draft that. I was going to Atlanta. It was it was bittersweet because I was thinking San Diego, nice weather, no rain, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, you just you going down the road and you're gonna be playing in the dome on turf, and then so I'm like trying to balance out the two, and I'm man, like don't get no better than this, you know this, you know I I, I understood the business of it and the nature of it, and I feel very quickly, like things can happen that fast, and it, it put a lot of perspective for me. You know, I was headed in this direction, and now I'm going in that direction. And instantly, that told me, Man, you got to be on your P's and Q's in the National Football League. Anything can happen. Does a player care where he goes, or is it more important to be that first pick in the draft? Man, that's a good question for uh, let's get Trevor Lawrence. That's a right. big question for Trevor Lawrence right now, right? Because right? that's his predicament. Like, you, you headed to a place where – number one, they need you. They need you. But you're going to need a lot of other people. 
and 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 then you got to trust that process so that that plays a factor in your thinking like dude do i want to play in a place where i'm you know almost you know um destined to fail or do i want to try to pull a eli manny you know philip rivers type of situation that that type of thing off and 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 it becomes it becomes those type of thoughts but at the end of the day it's out of your control and then you look at it and you start appreciating what the game really provides and what it offers and it's like you start to look at the the competitor in you and can I make this team better? Yeah, I can. You know, can I can I make the guys around me better? Yeah, I can. Will I get the glory? Yes, I will. And, and that becomes, you know, a thing, a real thing, like something that you want to strive for. And uh, so, man, it, it's it's so cool to play the game of football, and especially when you're a quarterback. You know, to to be presented with so many opportunities. That, that's that's out of your, your control. The only thing you control is, is what you're going to do, and uh, you kind of just you roll with the punches from there. Well, Mike, on that, what what was kind of like, – because, you know, you came – you went to Atlanta. You had a great coach, uh, and Dan Reeves. You had a veteran quarterback yeah. ahead of you. What is it like navigating it? Like, okay, I'm going – okay, San Diego, now Atlanta. Now I'm going into these circumstances. Like, when you, when yeah. you got to Atlanta at the very beginning, how was it? learning and all the steps that all these young quarterbacks are having to take yeah it was very uncomfortable for me at first number one because um high school college i was the starter i was the guy i set for you know one year uh you know as a freshman registered freshman at virginia tech and then you know all of a sudden you know i'm the guy um but now it's different circumstances now you got a, a guy in front of you that you can learn from but you also have to compete against this guy you know, on a daily basis and you seek all the advice that you can get without being disrespectful. That's the hardest thing and, and not overstepping your boundaries uh, as, as a rookie quarterback, first round draft pick, you know, and, and the expectations and the franchise rest on your shoulders. And that guy knows it, you know. So, you know, I look at the situation with, with Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco. I think I, I think it worked out perfectly. I think Joe was the the consummate teammate, um, and you know he he uh, he provided you know that opportunity. He, prov- he 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 didn't stray away from it, or shy away from it. He embraced it, and, and you know Chris Chandler did that for me. I asked Chris Chandler one day, I was like, "What's the what's the most important thing I can learn right now, Chris?" And it was just me and him in the room, and he was like, "Learn to write these plays the way I'm writing them right now." I'm like, well, "What you doing?" And he was when we got the game plan on Wednesday. By the time we got to practice, all Coach Reeves had to do was give Chris the play. And Chris will match the formation, put the motion, put the shift, put everything into the play that needed to be inserted that Dan didn't give him. He'll tell Dan, just give me the play. I got everything else. I'm working the hashes. I'm moving the formations. I'm getting people in the right spots. And I watched that, and it, I was in amazement. And uh, so, so I knew that the task at hand was a, a mental task and a mental challenge and it was something that I was going to have to really embrace and uh you know that that leadership right there you know just coming from Chris and everything to me and um you know it's always good to think about those things because uh you know I watch guys go through it now and I watch how they handle the situations and I think they, they're doing a good job but Mike you you talked about this or you have talked about this in the past where you said you you relied early on in your career a lot on your athleticism that you weren't in your playbook as much as you should have been. At what point did you start to understand 
that that mental aspect of it, that preparation is just as important, if not more important than, than those athletic gifts that you had. Yeah. I think for me, it was, it was my first start against Dallas. Um, Spot played a little bit. Uh, Coach Reeves had plays designated for me two or three uh, in a game plan. And then Chris went down and I finally got a start, a start start against the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I, I came in and spot played against the Chicago Bears. That didn't go too well. But I felt like, you know, from the preparation that, that I was able to put together, I ascertained enough information um, to go out there and execute. And, and, and I did, but it was sloppy. Uh, it could have been better. Um, when I look back at it, the Chicago Bears defense was very vanilla. It was covered to everything, Erlock in the middle, and all I had to really do was understand how to manipulate Erlacher. And so I came in and I was just playing off pure talent. I knew enough, um, relied on my vision, um, understood enough. But man, in hindsight, if I could have did it all over again, I, I you know I would have listened to Chris. And I would have been ready. And I would have understood why this play was called. See, in the NFL, you got to understand why the play is called before you even right. break. Like, when you hear it coming in, I, I know why this is coming in. And, and I learned that I learned that from Dan early. But when Dan left, you know, that was bittersweet. And, you know, I was on to a new system and, and so on and so forth. So I learned that once I got to, to Andy. But, you know, that first start was so difficult. I instantly learned, like, man, this game is mental. I, I need to step away from it. I'm not ready to go in. I, I mean, I was honest. I was honest with Coach. And, you told uh, him that? Yeah, I told Coach Reeves. I was like, Coach, man, it, the game was hard. You know, and, and he was like, well, you got to mentally prepare yourself. And he started telling me things to look for in the defense. And I, I will never forget, he was like, start on the defensive side of the ball. He said, the defense will tell you everything whether it's the one technique or the three technique, they'll tell you where they blitzing or coming from. And, you know, I, I digested that. And, and, and then, you know, once I got to Andy, all that came back. It, you know, it, it helped me throughout the course of my career, even with NAP and running the West Coast system. Um, so, you know, I gathered certain things. And by the end of the year, I, I got I was thrown in against, against Miami and went in against Miami second to the last game of the season and I rocked out and I did it and I look and I look I look promising I look good enough to you know start the next week against St. Louis and then get awarded the opportunity to start the next year so but it was all mental man it was that you know whole you know uh, sequence of things that had to happen for me to get ready um to play on Sundays consistently and be consistently good Mike, it's it's funny because you know having covered you in Atlanta with Greg Knapp and in that system, I want to revisit that in a second. But let's look at today's game because you know everyone talks about the athletic quarterback and this and that. But what and hearing you say that, the biggest changes I'm seeing are coaches who came up defending you or watching you and some of the things you did as a mobile quarterback. Now implementing that into their game plan, so you didn't have that luxury. Right. You did not have a luxury of, yeah. you know, like these kids are like Justin Herbert, these guys, yeah. seven on seven from the time they're 10 years yeah. old. Yeah. And now all those systems coming up to the NFL. So when yeah. you see today's game and the coaching aspect of it, I mean, what are some of your thoughts that way? When I look at the game today, I, I think about the game 10 years from now. I'm like, this hmm. is about to be so exciting that we should be thankful that we're living in this earth. And, and, and so many good coaches – 
you know, helping these young quarterbacks coming out of college and once they get to the NFL, become these great players like like Patrick and and, and Russell and Deshaun Watson and Justin Herbert. You know, the, these guys are, are really flourishing, and you can see that the development is, is just not through the players; it's, it's through the coach. And um, you know, from my era, and and I got to give Greg Knapp credit, and I don't give him enough credit, and I, and I, I I will as a man, he deserve it. Greg Knapp was one of the he was one of the guys that went off to a college and and scouted and studied and brought it back, and we ran it to perfection and. In 2006, and, and I ran 4,000 yards, and it was just the tip of the iceberg. We was just learning how to zone read, and then you know it it, it just progressed into you know RPO stuff, and, and and that was through coaching, that was through Chip Kelly, and everybody taking it a step further. But um, <clears throat> having the chance to you know experience that with my talents, um, you know, early, yeah, I was I was before my time, um, but somebody got to do it, and, and I think myself and Greg. We understood it. Uh, you know, it paid dividends for me. I, I, I set a, a record that, you know, was able to sustain until Lamar broke it last year. Um, <laughs> or, or, you know, broke his own record. You know, he, he rushed way more than me. But the second person ever to rush for 1,000 yards is a mobile quarterback. And so now we're seeing the game just continue to evolve. And it, it's beautiful, man. It, it's it's going to be so exciting. And it's going to be so competitive. Defenses are in trouble. I was good. Those guys, those guys better they their off seasons better be super intense. I'm talking about the training and the sideline to sideline work. Y'all know that's what y'all know. You know, Mike, there's been there in the past has been so much focus on race in the quarterback position. Yeah. And um there was a point earlier this year, I think it was like week three, week four, somewhere in there, where there were like four games where you had where the starting quarterbacks on each team were black. And nothing yeah, was really said that, about it. Yeah, nothing yeah. was really said about it. It just kind of passed. And I wonder in your mind if you think we've finally gotten to that point where race is not a factor when it comes to yeah. the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think it's understood. I, I think it don't need to be explained. Um, I think you can just visually look around the league and and and, and see that you know racism don't 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 ex don't exist in the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position anymore. I, I I never I don't know if it did in the past. We can only go off what we've seen or it did. But now I, I say that to say we look around and it's like it, it, it's no more irrational thinking when it comes to that. It's like. General managers and owners are not they, they don't see color. They they see productivity and they see a person, a young man that they can they can develop and, and they can help, you know, from whatever background he comes from, whether it's a it's a guy like Lamar, it's a guy like Justin Herbert, maybe two different backgrounds, two different people. You never know, you gotta get to know. Them. You know, it's just progression, man. It's it's so great to see. Um, yeah, man, because I came into the league, you know, or before I got to the league, I was I questioned whether I could do it, you know, for various reasons. Why? And, what were those uh, reasons? So it was always about proving that too, man. Like I'm be real, it was about proving that. It was about proving that mentally I could do it. Mentally, I understood. Like even to my coaches, you know, who are predominantly white, you know, I wanted to show, like, look, I understand the game plan. I understand what you're doing, and you know, I would if I. You know, it was it was a lot of high, it was high pressure situations. Sometimes if I forgot a play call, I'm like, damn, I, you know, I hope anybody look, ain't looking at me like I'm dumb. You know, in, in part because of your race. 
Yeah, yeah, just because I'm a black quarterback, and I, I know yeah. I got to be picture perfect. I, you know, and 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 then I had to get out of my own head. Like they don't look at me like that. They care about me. I could tell just through other conversations. They respect my mind. I was real quiet and real laid back and reserved, but. You know, I was a guy who tried to let my actions speak louder than my words. That's just who I was, you know, um, post-incarceration. And, and, you know, once I, you know, went through that, I, I prayed about it. I prayed about, you know, my self-confidence and, and you know, did I really like what I seen in the mirror? And, and, I, and I did, you know, I, I started with that. And, you know, when I speak to myself, do I like what I hear? Yeah, well, when you get an opportunity, then let, you know, let it, let it, let it go. You know, and even still to this day, like people I work with, they they, they know me as a person, and, and they they have love and respect for me. And, and sometimes they gotta still get me to vote a con. Let it go, you got it. You let it go, and it's okay. I I respect that. I appreciate that. You know, God put certain people in your life for a reason, and and I just roll with the punches, man. When you looked in the mirror and you talked to yourself during that time, and you like what you what you heard, tell me what you were hearing back. You know, I, I just always go back to what Mr. Blank said, you know, to me one time. And we was having dinner, Stony River. He was like, <laughs> you, just, you, you are what you eat, man, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, I thought about my circumstances and situations I put myself in. And you know, I think it was more so, are you happy with yourself? And I, I, I think the question was, you know, quickly answered. I was like, no, I'm not happy with myself for certain reasons, but... You know, I think, you know, the good versus the bad was like 70-30. So I really liked what I saw. And I just took all the good qualities and was like, okay, if I just build off that, then, then you know, I can create a, a man of great character. And, you know, understanding it, it wasn't really about me. It was, you know, I, I was a role model. I didn't embrace that. I, I you know, go to football camps and there's thousands of kids that show up and, and they showing up to – you know, they watching my every move. They watching the way I speak, and and I'm not paying attention to that. And I'm like, damn, that's selfish. I was put in this position for for a reason. So, you know, I, I had to start with, you know, it's just it, and, and you know, the self confidence and, and the belief that, you know, you can be a role model. Uh, be proactive. You know, um, step up to the challenge, man. And um, you know, next time those cameras get in your face, next time you do interviews, you speak what's on your mind and you speak from the heart and be yourself, never change. And I was like, okay, if I just do that, then, then some good gonna come from this. And, and But I had to set goals, man. I had to set goals and I needed, obviously I needed people in my life to help me, you know, do what's what, do what was right and, you know, help shape and mold me as a man. Like I didn't have the, the father figure in my life growing up. You know, my dad was there, but he was, he was just, you know, it, it was it was it was intricate, very intricate. You know what I'm saying? So so like, you know, it wasn't until I the right the I placed the right people in my life, I was able to to become a, a growing man. I say that you know, continue to grow as a man. When you say goals, what what does that mean? When I set them, or when I say goals? When you say goals, what what do they look like? Uh, back then or moving forward now? You tell me. Man, I mean, look, I ain't done by no stretch. Like, I, I, I got, a, I got a lot of opportunity that's been put in front of me right now. Um, one to, you know, I start with this. Just, you know, um, be on, you know, work with one of the, the one of the best networks out there in Fox, man. And um, 
you know, I, I set goals to, to for progression, you know, not regression. You know, I think it's, it's, it starts with that. You know, I'm, I'm not a football player anymore. I don't put the helmet on the shoulder pads and I'm, I'm not out there executing game plans. I'm in a whole different realm of life. So now it's like, how can I be the best at doing this? You know, I and, you know, I set goals to just have a strong work ethic. You know, I, I set goals to, you know, just enjoy life and, you know, take the days as they come and not put a lot of pressure on myself. You know, my goals is just to be consistent, consistent in my work ethic and, and uh, you know, just see where it leads me. Mike, I got to tell you, this is something that's been on my head, my heart for 12 years. Yeah. And we're not, we're not going to belabor this point because we know everything you went through, the incarceration, the trial and all this. But I had to cover that, right? You knew I was yeah. the beat writer for the team. You knew I was writing stories about this, then I went. And yeah. it was the most. It was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my 30-year journalistic career because I, I liked it. Why. Yep, and you and I and you and I had a good relationship, man. You yeah. know, when I, when I used to cover the Falcons, you was and one so, of the guys that I, I trusted, Steve. You was one of the guys that because I wasn't a media-driven guy. I'm gonna cut right. you off, and I won't talk more. But I, um, like you was like a bright spot for me. Like you was like I. I see you come around the corner out here. You helped me get my confidence. I say that. Well, I, I appreciate hearing it. And I felt it because every yeah. time we talked, we talked. It was never an interview. Yeah. We talked. Yeah. And, you know, I was so scared. Okay. After all of the, the trial and, and the incarceration and your first game back in Philadelphia, I had to go up and cover that. And yeah. you saw me in the locker room and you came up, you like, Steve, my man. Mike, I, I mean, I was terrified. Like, I hate you. You had to cover that story. It was horrible. Yeah. And, and, and it was horrible for all, for yeah, all you know. I, for I did that to myself. Like, being on this side, you know, I call myself a journalist. I make my wife sit, laugh when I say that. I go, baby, I'm a journalist now. You know, I got to keep my pen and my pants with me. And I'm on a different side now. You know, it's, it's, it's a joke around the house. But it's real. And I, I love it. And I, and I embrace it. So I understand, you know, being on that side, man, you kind of, I made the news, man. I made the news. I, 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 I was in total control of all of that, man. You know what I'm saying? And then, Pete, that that don't mean because we had a personal relationship that, you know, it wasn't that personal. You know, it was more so. It was like kind of a working relationship. But right. I mean, we was getting to know each other. If that was a 10, 12 year career. I mean, I, and it happened in the end. You would have really felt bad. So you know, now it's just like. Like you were still trying to figure me out. Everybody was trying to figure me out, you know. And then when something happens just abruptly and it's, it's put right there in front of you, I got a job to do, you know. I mean, and it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about having a job or, you know, have, having an obligation. Yeah, I think more so it was just a, um, it was just a shock for everybody. I mean, I, I'm telling you, it was just, um, like it I said, was. It, it was, uh, you know, so so direct and, and so you know, like irresponsible. Everybody kind of looked at it like, man, not not Mike. You know, so you had to cover it to dig, to dive deep and get into it. So as you got into it, you really I mean, things started to surface. I'm just being real. Like I mean, I wish I was more mature at the time. I wish, man, I wish I had some. It was just the people that I had as father figures. I, they wasn't around. I thought I had all the answers. I thought money could buy me out of a lot of situations. And, and look, man, Steve, you just, it, it's funny because when I look at you, I don't even think about that. 
And, and that that's that's the beautiful thing for me. Like I think that's the mature where the maturity lie. Like when I see you, I don't think like damn, he wrote a whole bunch of crazy stuff back in the day. Right. Yeah, we sat at the airport after Eagles game, remember a couple years ago. We just sat there yeah, for like we was, two we was talking, yeah, we were sitting there talking out there. Yeah. The whole time I'm like, I wonder if he still hates me. But <laughs> but it, but Mike, to, but seriously, to hear you talk and the conversations we have now and to see you, man, it's like I mean, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this on the real. Like, I love this dude, yeah. right? Thank you. Like, it's it's you are to me one of the shine most shining examples of a man mm-hmm. because you went through it, right? You hit the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and all eyes were on you through everything, and you went through it. And here you are, and to hear what you were just telling Jim and I about setting goals and, and, and accountability. It it is I'd be remiss if I don't say this. Um and I and I know what you're going on. I'm sorry to cut but man and them goals I, I should have put in there to continue to be the best husband that I can be too. Because my wife deserved that respect. You know, I, I, I it's been a long journey. Um she's been there for me for the last 20 years. Met her met her my rookie year. Um, a lot of people don't know that story and um she stuck by me. She's been one of my biggest supporters, and I lean on her for more advice than, than people will ever know. And um, like just the foundation that she's been able to lay, you know, I, I set I set goals to, you know, to 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 continue to be loyal. I'm gonna say this though, Mike. You know, you learn a lot about a man during times of adversity, and when you went through what you went through, and obviously I didn't know you as well as Steve does, but you had every reason if you weren't going to be accountable to be bitter. And when you sent that letter to to Matt Ryan after he was drafted to come in and basically replace you, showing your support for him and and to be there for him in any way you could. could. First of all, I know how much that meant to Matt because I've I've talked to him about it um, because it helped him during a difficult situation for him. But I think it also showed the character of you to say, I made a mistake. And it's not about anyone else. It's about me. And I want to make it right as best I can. Yeah. What what led you to send that letter to Matt and to say, basically, don't worry about me. This is about you now. You do you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was more about um, the comfort level for Matt. And look, I understand the nature of this business. I understand how the fan base is. I understand the love that I got for Atlanta. And the, the love that Atlanta got for me is real. And then it was bit, it was it was bittersweet in the end. You know, I I wanted to 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 write that letter first and foremost to Matt to, to let Matt know, like, look, be yourself, do you, man. Don't the, the franchise needs you, need you. The people they'll 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 ride, they'll they'll ride the wave. They'll they'll come along with you. And, and they ended up playing playing for a championship, for a Super Bowl, and that's something to be thankful for. Matt was able to come in and from the jump, just get a team a spark. It's what they needed. It was dismal. 07, that 07 season was rough. It was hard for me to watch. It to a point where I just wanted to get back and just make make the change. Like, man, this is that wasn't me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Give me another opportunity. And they moved on, and rightfully so. Your commitment to turning around your life was real. I mean, there are many things you've done behind the scenes that that people don't even know, you know, both in terms of, of, you know, protecting animals um, and as well as serving your community. 
Yeah. And what's interesting to me is you fought also, you helped lead the fight for um, uh, voter reform so that yeah. former felons could be able to vote for the first time. And you got that, that was opportunity. Cool. That what was, cool. was that like for you and what did it mean for you? First of all, shout out to LeBron James for, for bringing me into the campaign. And, uh, you know, they reached out, you know, um, and, and we was able to, to, to unite and uh, to just be involved in that, that was cool. And, and it was about, you know, just helping the young people understand, like, you know, our country depends on us and depends on you and the future generations, you know, going to rely on us, you know, trying to be involved to whatever extent in, in decision making. And, and, and that was cool, man. I think the whole country got involved. We should all be proud of, you know, what we was able to accomplish and hope everybody's happy with the outcome, um, depending on your, your personal preference. But so be it. We got to move forward. It's important what you're doing now. It's got to be rewarding. Uh, I was on a Zoom call with Andy Reid last week, and he talked about how he's brought you in to speak to his team, work with his team. You were you were a, were you a coach, a training camp coach? Was yeah, it last I was in year? training camp. I was in training camp, uh, 2017. Okay, amazing an amazing experience. I will say but, that. So you're but you're not coaching anymore. You're like nah. <laughs> well, well, well. I will say this. I was on my way. Because the more I, I'm around Andy Reid, the, the more I just, like, I want more and more of his attention. Like, so I was, you know, the coach know me. I'm going to soak it all in first. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, um, you know, it was, taking, it, was, I was, it was taking a while to get used to it. I was, you know, trying to get the hang of it because them coaching now was a different. You know, they're different. You know, it's, it's, it's rigorous. And, and, you know, I, I'm, like, getting on-the-job training. So I'm trying to transfer, you know, the player – into the coach um but in the middle of that uh i got a call from fox and they asked if i would come do an audition and you know me the first person i go run into is andy i, I want to know what coach thing talk to andy andy was like instantly put me on the phone with john madden and chris Berman. Mm, instantly wow. like coach i got this opportunity what you think that later on that night chris Berman, john madden and Andy used to always talk to me about um, getting into, you know, broadcasting. When we used like, you know, you should take it serious. You know, when I was playing for him, and it's something that you probably can do when your, your career is over. No lie. This is, this is what Andy told me. And I'm like, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm a player, so you don't think that far down the road. All you're thinking about is playing the coach that weekend. But, you know, that's just coach. And, uh, you know, so he was like, you know, we spoke about this years ago. You know, and there you go. So he sent me off. And, that, you know, that was all she wrote. So I, I put the coaching thing on pause for me, and it, it's always going to be dead to my heart because I want to still can continue to compete for a championship one day down the road, one day down the road. I feel like I, I love what I do now, and, and uh, you know, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. I got a long way to go. I got to, you know, I like giving insight. I love, you know, talking football. I love the game, and uh, it, it, I got to let it out. I got to let it out. Mike, we, we want to talk to you about broadcasting, but first I, I want to ask you this about Andy Reid. Yeah, As a player, you see how his players respond to him. Can you take me back and give me an anecdote that reflects why his players feel the way they feel about him and why they respond the way that they do? Because, man, Coach just right, – so on the field, Coach is like – he's amazing. It started in practice. Um, he might not say too much to you. He's gonna always want to know the why. Like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? So you, so you know, you're gonna have to conversate with him and and have answers for him on on a daily basis. 
you know, he's a very caring man. And, and, and like, he'll be doing the whole dissertation on the play uh, in, in the meeting room, you know, with the offense. And all of a sudden, he think about uh, something and it, it, it turns into a whole laugh fest, joke fest. It, you know, what I mean? it, it's open, open dialogue, you know, and, and he's just he has that type of persona. Like, and then you get you just get caught up and it just make you you just, you just infectious, man. You, you, so so that that alone make you want to do whatever it takes to be successful, to make him proud. And uh, I think it's more so about with the team. It's about making making that man smile because that's what he did for us on a regular basis, whether we was winning or losing. Yeah, that's the sense I get from guys that they they, they feel disappointed. I, I mean, they feel hurt if they disappoint him. Yeah, you know, which yeah, that that's, that's it's one thing. It's one thing that the know that that uh, you can live with. Okay, I screwed this game up, but it's hard to live with. Man, coach put all this time in during the week to make sure that I was prepared, and I went out there threw an interception when I could have went to another read or took. The, you know, I could have. It was it was options available. And then, and you so you want to reward him for the hard work that he put in too because for one, I don't know if a lot of quarterbacks can say this, but he makes the game easy for you. And I'm thankful that I had the luxury of playing for somebody who made the game easy for me. So <clears throat> um, I understood it when he came in the helmet. I know why he was calling. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how does he make it easy? Because yeah, he, 32 coaches, 32 quarterback coaches, 32 offensive coordinators. What is it about Andy that he's able to make the game easy for his quarterbacks? I just put it in perspective like this. When I used to get the game plan flat facts to me on went on Tuesday nights, I'm already excited. I'm already envisioning what's gonna happen. I'm already envisioning what what this play gonna look like and who's gonna be running in there and where they're gonna be. And, and you're excited to get to practice. Like I'm ready to go practice and I'm ready to go throw this pass to, you know, Jeremy Macklin or Deshaun. I'm ready to, you know. I'm ready to compete on third downs, even in practice, just to see why, you know, this was called and and and, and how it's gonna work, how it's gonna look. And and 90% of the time it was everything that I thought, you know, I would see, and every it was everything that we practiced. So it was just that simple. Mm. Let me ask you this, because after the Super Bowl last year, Eric Bienemy spoke of Andy like you're speaking about him now. And I don't know how well you know E B, but you know he's gonna yeah, be able- a little bit. Yeah, so he's gonna be up for some head coaching opportunities. And Rightfully so. Yeah. So you're just what are you what are your thoughts on him? I, I like Eric, man. I, I tell you what, um, being in camp for three weeks, the one thing about Eric being to me, he ain't taking no ish. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I seen him coach Kareem Hunt so hard. Kareem Hunt had no choice but to go out and be productive in that first game. Mm. I've never seen a man so demanding. He's not the biggest man, but he's right. His his presence is felt. When Eric Bieniemy walk into that Kansas City Chiefs meeting room, his presence is felt. And when he talk, people listen. A lot of assistant coaches or position coaches, they don't have that type of prowess. He got that, and, and he got the whole you know coaching vibe about him, man. Uh, head coaching vibe about him, and I, I think he's going to be very successful. Uh, I think offensively, he's definitely learned a lot being around Andy. And, you know, being around Andy, you know, you're going to turn into a, a great play caller. You're going to understand the whys. And uh, it's going to be a young quarterback out there that's going to be fortunate enough to have him as a coach. And then 
my man Mike Kafka going to be up next. Uh, you know, Mike, I'm curious. Um, Andy brings you in to talk to Mahomes. Others will ask, other young quarterbacks will reach out to you for advice and whatnot. I'm wondering if you could give advice to coaches who have a young quarterback. Because you talked earlier about the pressure and the expectations on a quarterback yeah. making number one overall. If you were to give these coaches advice about how to help these players succeed, what would it be? Um, I would say, um, you know, don't put a lot on this plate, especially early. I think you can go into a game with about, um, you know, maybe 40 to 50 plays that could cater his skill set, depending on what type of player he is. He's either going to be one or two type of players. He's going to be a pocket pass or he's going to be a dual threat. And, and, and you know, call your plays to the talent that you have around him. You know, Andy, we, we had 120 plays going into the game. You know, but I was a 10-year veteran and I was able to handle that. So don't ask him to do too much, a young guy. Don't ask him to do a lot. Ask him to do enough. Hold him accountable for his consistency and, and, and kind of hop on that. Praise him when he do good. Praise him when he do good, but demand more. Always demand more. And, and I, I think that's how, that's how you develop the relationship and the growth in young quarterbacks. How fragile is a young quarterback's confidence? And I realize every every player is different. But when you have that type of pressure and those expectations on you, how fragile is a young player? You look at Deshaun Watson losing record, what is uh two and twelve or something like that, but still battling and competing every week, still throwing for over 300. Now the last two weeks haven't been good, and he got to pick it up. But you know, he still was able to, regardless of the record, still continue to the the stack good performances, and I think that's important. So it's kind of hard to break them now. It's kind of hard to break them. I think they come in with, you know, uh, you know, just the mindset of, of, of playing, too. Like, look at Jalen Hurts, able to just step in. Like, I just gave you all an example. I stepped in, you know, week six or seven, and I wasn't ready. I looked like some trash. Jalen Hurts stepped in and threw for 400 yards. I'm like, come on. And, and, and that's Doug ain't not asking him to do a lot, getting the ball out of his hands. Miles Sanders go 400, RPO game. Simple. Sometimes I think coaches make the game harder than it is. Yeah, happens. they do. Yeah, they yeah, do. Man, like those. I mean, man, I'm not. I'm not here to beat coaches down or just. I, I, look, I, whatever they do, they do. But look, it, it's a copycat league, and you can't try to do what the team did to you the week before, or did to that team the week before that you're about to play. You can't do that. They looking for that. If, if you beat me deep, I know you're gonna try to go deep. Same play, same type of route. You might try to make it look different, but. I'm gonna tell my guys be looking for this. You gotta set. You gotta set it up. But you know, Mike, you said I could be a consultant. Well, you said you're not trying to beat coaches down. Nope. But now, let's be honest here. You're a broadcaster now. Yeah, yeah. There are gonna be some uncomfortable situations. As yeah, a broadcaster. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's address that too. You know, I gotta tell my wife I'm a journalist now. I'm a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean. You know, you got to look at the game for what it is. It's nothing personal. This is the NFL. This is business-driven, performance-based league. So what have you done for me lately, league? And when we're talking and we're on set and we're talking about this because it's not going right and you got to pick it up because if not, they're going to be looking to replace you, and that's just real. So don't take it personal. We're trying to point out the flaws not indirectly, it's direct. 
but we want you to see it for what it is and go work on it. That's what that's my approach. So if I'm saying saying like, look, he hasn't played well in the last three weeks and he's thrown nine picks, man. Look, I'm just telling you what it is. It, you know, you ain't the first, and you ain't the last person you're gonna get covered if you don't perform. Mike, and you got you know all your from a player or a coach like Mike. I thought we oh, were yeah. Look, my boy Deshaun Watson one time. I was what was the topic? Who would you rather have to start, you know, your team? And it was, you know, I'm just I'm just getting into the media, but man, man, D, we, we boys, like that's my little homie. And I was like, Patrick, Patrick just threw four touchdown passes that day. And I think DY might have went for like two in a pick and a loss. And I'm like, of course, right now, Patrick. I get a text from D.Y. like, oh, that's how you feel, bro? I'm like, I'm only telling the truth. I'm trying to get the best out of you, little bro. Don't take it personal. Don't ever take it personal. <laughs> you know, so I had to hit him back. And I think I helped him understand, like, you know, this it's, it's performance-based. You're not going through anything that John Elway or Warren Moon or Aikman, Bradshaw, Donovan, we all done been through it, man. We all done been through it. It's nothing personal. All right, so we're going to put on your, your analyst hat here and talk about the left-handed rookie down in Miami, Tua. Yeah. Different, definitely a different type of player, but, of course, one of the few lefties out there. What do you, what do you like about him? And, and you talked about not putting too much on his plate. It's clear Chan Gailey's not putting too much out there. What, yeah, what about not, the way he handled him yeah. and the way? Right, all right. He, he landed in the hands of a great-headed coach um, and, and Brian Flores, and, and they, they got a good defense. And – and I think for two, it's just about doing your job. And, and first and foremost, with a young rookie, is don't go out and lose the game. And I said that about Dwayne Haskins last week, having the chance to start against Seattle and having the chance to, you know, reboot, you know, after, after a little hiatus. Just don't go out and lose the game. I don't think he lost it. I think he lost it the very next day um, when he did what he did. But, right. But, but, you know, just for a young guy, just, you know, like Tua, just kind of just don't, don't, don't turn it over. I hate to say don't turn it over, but it is because, you know, obviously that's the first thing you're going to tell, man, don't go out there and throw no interceptions. As he has progressed and been able to protect the football and, and lead drives, you know, when needed and, and, you know, change field position at times, he's been able to get the defense opportunities to create turnovers and, and get stops and, and, and then they get their running game going. You got a little ball control game and, and they kind of look like the New England Patriots. I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned Haskins a minute ago, and I don't want to get into the specifics of what he did, but yeah. the question is more about when you're a young man, you, you sometimes make dumb decisions. I made them as a young man. What can be done with a young player who has been entitled much of his career, who has been coddled, um, whose mistakes have been covered up by others because of his talent, what can be done to get through to that young man to try and help him grow or mature quicker? Even going back to your situation, yeah. what has been done maybe to get through to you earlier um, that we all missed or someone missed? Um, you know, it's unfortunate for a guy, you know, like Dwayne, because I think you got to sit him down and be honest with him. You got to tell him, like, look, your opportunity is not going to last too much longer. You know, the game going to go on without you. And, and, and young guys come in, you draft in the first round, they feel like the sense of entitlement, but they don't know a lot about league history and they don't know about a lot about 
you know how owners and general managers view us as players, whether black or white. You have to perform. You, you have to be like damn near perfect on and off the field. I'm just saying, I'm being honest. We got and, and, and if you if you can't do that, if you can't be a great representation of our brand, of our organization, whether flagship or not, then then it's plenty of other jobs out there in the world for you to be to go and try to apply for or be a part of, but it's just not here in the National Football League. So you gotta be honest with a guy like like Dwayne. And I know Ron Rivera probably, you know, I see him as that guy. I might be looking at the clock, it's it's TikTok. And so um we know you are from the Hampton Roads, Tidewater region, which you can, no one can argue the point. Per yeah. capita, it is the most athletically gifted region of this country when you look at the, the athletes that it has put out. So yes, we, we, we've got to get your honor roll. I'm not going to say from Mount Rushmore because four, four is, come on, you can't even do that. But your honor roll, the best athletes from that Hampton Roads, Tidewater region. I'm going to start with myself. Okay. <laughs> As you should. Then Allen Abbasson. Thank you. Bubba Chuck. Ronald Curry. Ronald Curry. Ronald Curry was one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen, like hands down. Um, he might be the biggest high school legend in my lifetime that I've ever yeah, heard no of doubt. talk no about doubt. a guy. No doubt. Um, Ronald Curry's legend was bigger than AI's. Because AI in football. Yeah, uh, I think Ronald won three state titles in football and three in basketball. The greatest uh, the greatest player I ever seen play the game in high school, man. Like, it, it was it was me on steroids, won't it, Steve? Like, he was. Because Mike came out with Ron. Like people yeah. people were talking about Mike, but Ronald Curry, because of the basketball thing, he was all American. Yeah. Like, he was like the USA Today yeah. All American in both sports. I'm, I'm gonna get back on topic, but Steve, Ronald Curry, we would have changed the game at the same time. Like, we was the same. We was the same. I mean, we was like Charlie Ward times 10. Uh, he was Charlie Ward yeah. times 10. You know, I, I was probably, I was like, you know, another, I don't know, whatever. Uh, I was on a different plane. But, uh, yeah, so so I, so two more just popped in my head. Um, Bruce Smith and, and Lawrence Taylor. Uh, yeah, got, and I'm going to add one because it's a sport people don't talk about that much. When they talk about the great Hampton Roads, Tidewater. But Pernell Sweet P. Whitaker. Ooh, I, uh, I forget about Sweet my, P. He, he was my favorite rest fighter of all time. Rest in peace. Lightweight, yeah. up to welterweight champion. You, I mean, people, you know, people look at Floyd Mayweather like no one gloves Floyd, right? No one could put yeah. a hand on him. Floyd is nothing but Sweet P. And Sweet P might have been better when it came to not getting yeah. hit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about Sweet P. Whitaker. Uh, you know, I was blessed to see Sweet P a, a couple years ago, man. And, and yeah, I'm a big time boxing fan, so I had to tell him like P, and he wasn't in good shape. But I was just like P, I love you, man, and um, you know I know the sport of boxing, appreciate everything you ever did, and I know Floyd Mayweather do too because you know when I, the first time I ever seen Floyd, I was like that's Sweet P. It was that same style. So yeah, man, yep, yep. So we, I guess we can end it on that, man. Sweet P was uh, one of the greatest of all time. All right, well, sure. Mike, I'll leave you on this. You got three Hampton brothers on this show steve myself our producer thomas warren and oh, hold seen... up hold up three three what oh did i say you said, you said oh, oh my god oh jim they gonna get you for that 
Oh, yeah, but look at the timing. They know what I'm about. I, yeah, you know, yeah, I know what you're about. I know what you're about. Y'all talking about Hampton Road, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a slip up right there, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we got a good editor in Thomas. Thomas, so <laughs> I'm gonna go now. But Mike, that's gonna become a rival now. <laughs> oh, they are. There is no rival for us. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> but um, but we saw McCore Maker. You know, uh, um, an elite top five basketball player choose Howard over Kentucky. All the other blue bloods, mm-hmm. college basketball blue bloods. And now I'm wondering, what's it gonna take to get some? football blue bloods like back in the day that you were to get you to a place like Howard or to get those players to a place like Howard. What does it take? Oh man. Heavy recruiting, man. You got to spend time with them kids down there in Hampton and the the, the, the seven, five, seven, which is what we call it. You got to spend time. You got to get to know them coaches out there because they love, they, they, they put a lot of time and effort into them players, man, through seven on seven and, you know, through camps and traveling with them, you know, they you gotta you gotta get to know them. You gotta know so them. You mean, get to know them. They, they're, real, they're real meticulous about where they place their kids. So you're saying if we just move in with them, we we gonna get them? Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that, man. You, like you gotta really be rubbing elbows down there. Like you gotta yeah. know some people. You gotta know some people. I, 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 I gotta cut Mike off because this clearly goes to me. Mike has never been to homecoming at Howard. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I've never been, but I've heard some good stories. Mike, if you ever, if you would have come up to a Howard homecoming when you were getting recruited, you would have been thinking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been over. Yeah, we can't get Mike. Yeah, we would want We would want. We would want a championship too. I tell you that much. Oh yeah, without well, question, we a championship. <laughs> By the way, first. How did you end up at Virginia Tech? Um, my mom somehow, some way, fell in love with Frank Bingham. You know, Paul Pascaloni came by, and, and and a couple other coaches, and it was it was some of, it was some about Frank, man. That I, I don't know, he had a nice little soup jacket, you know, Frank, you know, good looking, you know what I mean? It's like smooth talker. My high school coach was sitting right there, and uh, Frank just he, he he just he had the swag that day. He had to see, he even convinced me. I was like, hey, I'm going to Virginia Tech. I thought I was going to Notre Dame or Alabama or, or, or Texas or Florida State. I'm going to Virginia Tech, man. I trust that man. I trust that guy because my mom trusts him. That was, that was most important. And Mike opened the door for the uh, whole gang guys from the Hampton Roads area to go yeah. that deep. Next thing, you know, Tyrod. Next thing you know, we get my brother. We get Tyrod Taylor. We get... You know, we, we get a, a long laundry list of QBs who was able to sustain and, and keep the program at the top for a long time. So so that was good. We lost that edge. We done lost it, but we about to get it back. We about to get it back. All right. Well, Mike, we can't thank you enough, man. This has been, you know, we have a lot of real conversations and, and, and great conversations on this podcast. And, bro, you just, you just knocked it out. We can't thank you enough for your sincerity, for you being yeah. you and, and joining us here on the Huddling Flow. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Well, Steve, uh, I got to take a a breath here. You know, um, I just appreciate Mike, you know, his candor, uh, the giving of his time. We kept him longer than, than we had said we would. 
but his story is so important. I think his messages are so important. And he's one of those figures now. It's it's funny, man. You, you know, you don't realize how old you're getting. But I still remember Mike coming out of college, you know, that young dude. And now he's that, he's that, I don't want to say old, he's that older gentleman who young players lean on and use as a mentor or a confidant or someone to draw wisdom from. And his words are so poignant with them that um, just I, I just have great respect for him because he came through something that was, man, you know, I always say, you know, you don't know what someone's going through unless you walk in their shoes. And I can't imagine being in his shoes going through what he went through during that time. So major respect for him. Yeah, this is what we call a sage, right? You talk about sage wisdom or sage advice. That was it. And, and I, you know, it's so compelling because, it, you know, every, everything comes out of him is accountability. Like when he was talking about he didn't have that father figure, the people around him, he wasn't talking about it as an excuse. He was not right. talking about it as a crutch. He was just saying he's now there for the people who may need that type of guidance. And and just, again, and, and knowing him, Jim, I got to tell you, this is personally, you know, somewhat cathartic for me because, again, I've, I've always felt, you know, having to cover that dogfighting trial after having the relationship I do with Michael Vick preceding that, that, you know, he, he harbored some type of ill will to me just because, I, you know, there's nothing personal against him. I was reporting against, you know, horrific crimes that he was part of. And, you know, just listening to him say that we've had conversations previous. We've never discussed this. Um, it, it really, you know, I, I'm being selfish here, but I, I feel a little bit better about, you know, me as a person just having just that momentary exchange um, with him. Because, that you know, that's a tough thing. We've all covered tough stories, man. And, you know, it's it's hard when you've got a, a, a personal of some sort of connection with someone. You've got it. I mean, that, that was hard. And so I really appreciate him, you know, being honest. Um, and I, I mean, Jim, there's no way you could not listen to that. And again, like I said, well, I always bring up Aeneas Williams and not want to be better. Yeah. No, he, what he did and listening to the two of you talk about your time together during that and going through that was he put himself in your shoes after yeah. the fact and tried to understand it from your perspective and was able to understand it from your perspective. And I think that that's where you see the growth and that's where we can all grow, where we try and again, put ourselves in someone else's shoes and and at least in some small way, try and figure out what they were experiencing and that it's not just about us. So um, no, Mike has grown so much, man. I mean, um, and you know, as an aging black man, I'm so proud to see that in him because he's going to do so much good, um, not just in our community, but just in general as he goes forward, because you can tell he's committed to making a difference and to making positive change. So again, much respect to him, much love to him. And, and I look forward to seeing what he does going forward. So well said, Jim. So well said. Well, as you wrap this up, we want to turn this to next week because we're getting towards the end of the NFL football season. We're already hearing about the coaching changes. We've seen some, the GM changes. Jim and I, we've, we've talked about this for the longest. But we're going to be joined by University of Maryland head coach Mike Loxley. And, Jim, just quickly, let's tell these folks what Mike is doing to make sure that all potential candidates get their proper audience as we get ready to go to this hiring cycle. 
Yeah, well, what Michael did uh, this offseason during the pandemic, he had the time, he put together a coalition to try and address this issue of lack of diversity and inclusion among head coaches and general managers um, in the NFL, as well as to highlight coaches on the collegiate level, minority coaches on the collegiate level. And his board of director includes some of the, the more powerful people in sport, whether it's an Ozzie Newsome, a Mike Tomlin, um, a Debbie Yao, folks like that. And they are trying to help owners and the NFL understand just who is out there, just who is qualified and ready to be head coaches and general managers, et cetera. And so we're going to bring him on next week to get an update on what's going on with his coalition, um, his thoughts on on the vacancies that are coming op op open, and whether or not he feels progress will be made in terms of trying to level this playing field. It's about that time, Jim. It is definitely about that time. Really, really looking for Mike Lockley's fantastic, by the way. So I'm just glad to be able to give him uh, this type of platform too. But on that note, Jim, it's 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 about to be Christmas. So why don't you get us out of here so we can all you know really go get in the spirit? Yeah. Well, we know Christmas is tomorrow. So first and foremost, I think all of us, you, me, our producer Thomas Warren, want to say Merry Christmas to everyone out there and early Merry Christmas. And um, we want to thank you for your support. Um, this podcast could not be what it is without you. And um, we feel that sense of responsibility to try and, 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 and bring you what you want. So from that standpoint, I say thank you for listening. Subscribe. Leave us your comments. And that way we can give you more of what you're funking for. Right on, right on, Jim. Well, everybody, Merry Christmas. Stay safe. And from the Howard Mob, Jim Trotter, Thomas Warren, and myself, we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.